capital of the world. For the second time in the second overtime, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Ubilis, seven seconds to go. Three-pointer. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. The wily vet, T.C. Martin. You can feel the madness. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this thunderous Thursday. Great seeing Bill Rafferty, too. Onions. Gotta love it. I said, Raff, I said, you made our new open. He goes, thank you very much. The blow-by. Uh, all right. I want to thank uh, Mike DeCourcy for joining us last hour. TJ Reeves as well, too. Recanting uh, our ventures in New Orleans. That'll be up on the website, tcmartinshow.com. This hour, we got some hoop to talk about. We got a little football. And, of course, it's opening day. Major League Baseball opening day. Cubs win. Cubs win. Holy cow. That's right. The first result is in the book. That's right, for your Major League Baseball season 2022. Cubs defeat the Brew Crew 5-4, so Numchuck 5, G-Man 4. There you go. You're 1-0, Numchuck. You're 0-1. There it is. Jay Schrader is probably in there in the middle somewhere. I don't know. But uh, more games coming your way tonight. Cardinals leading the Pirates 4-0, and the Royals and the Guardians. I'm not going to be able to get used to this Guardian thing, all right? Indians. Can I still say Indians? I know. I mean... We said we said Redskins for a long time afterwards. I you still know. do say Redskins. Yeah, I do. And so, and so does my tag team partner who was in here. Oh, I know. The former Redskin. He may even sing that song a little bit. Hail to the Redskins. Oh, no. We're not singing anything. But... Jay Schrader in the house. It doesn't matter football. It doesn't matter March Madness. Opening day of the Masters. Opening day Major League Baseball. My man is versatile. What's up, brother? Not much. How are you today? Thanks for, thanks for coming by, hanging around, man. You bet. You interrupted my Masters watching, but that's yeah. okay. You know, but, quiet you know, now. Quiet. Jay Schrader quiet, is on quiet the Quiet down. They're on the green. Yes, yeah. no. But, yeah. uh, uh, it's been uh, been interesting to, the, to watch that. Opening day is always a great day in, in baseball. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of good things mm-hmm. going on. So I know that you were uh, chuckling or, or just giving me some weird looks when you heard uh, about some of these uh, stories in New Orleans. I know you got some New Orleans stories yourself. We, yeah, they're always New Orleans stories, <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you're getting ready to play, play the Saints on national TV, and at 2 a.m. you're you're walking down the fire escape because all the fire you know alarms are going off in the hotel and you know we, we, you know it's not like we're saying that you know any place cheap we're at the marriott yeah and, you know we're, we're walking down get down there and about three thirty, they go oh no false alarm you can go back up you're i mean we're all like really really so uh team breakfast came around we were kind of grouchy yeah to say the least so how was the result uh you know eight hours later on the uh, field eight hours later the, it was a good result for us not so good for the saints though. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't this one of the, those common occurrences that you get in in different cities because we hear stories like that all the time well it, it was funny because early on in my career you know you go check in and it, everybody's got a travel secretary and they go yep. in and check in and yep. everything else george and, costanza was a travel secretary yeah, right and, and with seinfeld right and everything else else and uh once i started to play when i came in and took over for for joe and everything else and i started to play and we went uh 
you know, you go somewhere and you get the prank call at 1 a.m. from the radio station and everything else. Yeah. Everybody's waking yeah. you up. And after that, I never checked in underneath my own name. Of course. I, was, I, was, right. I walked in and I was given a room key. And, it, mm. you know, I'm looking at the yeah. name going, hmm, that's interesting, you know, but because uh, uh, you had to stop it. And you, yeah. you can't blame them. You know, Kansas City was notorious for doing things like that and just uh, different places. I'll never forget the wake up call I got in Minnesota one day uh, where there we're coming from L.A. We're getting ready to play and says, welcome to beautiful downtown Minneapolis, where the outside temperature right now is minus seven degrees with wind chill at 13. I hope you have a great day. And I'm thinking this is not going to be fun. Right. And then I roll over and go, hey, they got a dome. I'm OK. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's right. exactly. Right. I was like, hey, we're playing in the dome, so it's all good. So, You're a Wisconsin uh, guy anyway, so you would have been fine anyway. No, no. Look, that's cold. Yeah, I know. That's, that's cold. And, and playing yeah. football in that yeah. is just no fun. Yeah, no doubt. See, you weren't uh, fortunate enough to ever play in Milwaukee County Stadium, though, were you? Uh, no, I didn't play in Milwaukee. I played in Green Bay. That's what I'm saying, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because played, that played. was, but at least at Lambeau Field, I mean, they took care of, I mean, the, the turf was always pretty much pristine. That Milwaukee County Stadium, that was, a, and then we're both, uh, benches were on the same sideline. Well, I think, uh, I think I told you, I don't know if I told you on air or off air, when I was with the Redskins one year, we had Luis Sendejas. Oh, the the pride of Arizona State. Right. All yeah. the Sendejas is right. Yeah. We went up and we played in Green Bay. It was the first week of January and it had snowed the night before. It's freezing cold and everything else. And I was the holder back then, you know, and I was holding yeah. and all that. So I go out early. I'm waiting for him. And he comes out with the specialist comes out. He didn't even bring a coat on the trip. Okay. I mean, he's from Arizona State. So yeah. He's freezing. Right. So we go out there and we start with extra points. I get the snap, put the first one down and he barely makes it over. Right, and he's, I mean, he's holding his foot. He, this is after he's chipped away the ice on the field and right. everything else. We do it again, I snap it. He kicks that one about halfway up. Yeah. And he goes, I'm good, and runs back into the locker room. He's done. He's done. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, we've got a lot of, another 12 minutes of special teams warm up. I'm standing out here freezing, right? <laughs> and just about that time, Joe Kibbs comes out, and Wayne Severe was the special teams coach. Joe comes out. And he saw Luis go running up there, and he was like, what's what's the deal? And the special teams coach told him and everything else, and Coach Gibbs leans over. He goes, we're not kicking field goals. We're going for it today. So <laughs> there just, you go. Just- <laughs> Gotta love that, though, right? You gotta love that. Yeah, but yeah that was you know you get some fun stories. That's like great. That. But Arizona State kid was not was not happy playing in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, like he he didn't know this. I mean, going right. into it, I mean, right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Jay Schrader in the house, the former QB. Uh, always love it when uh, he joins us here. So let's uh, continue on here. Um, BJ Armstrong, my guy, bring up the funk. Where is the funk? Because the three time NBA champ, he's coming on the court. I know he's got stories. He's got the funk going on, too. Good seeing you. Good talking to you. What's up, BJ? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we got the football, basketball, cross-talk combo here going. What do you think of that, BJ? Right. We got a Detroit guy and a Wisconsin guy right here. You got to like that. <laughs> I wish I was as athletic as BJ because he could get around that court. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't move like that. I, I was fortunate enough I could throw stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> BJ, it's a pleasure meeting you. Oh, pleasure! Pleasure's all mine. So, what's going on there, my man? What are you What are you doing here? Have you uh, Have you come down from the natural high of uh, the NCAA tournament? I I hate to ask you how your bracket did. Yeah, my bracket was it, it was awful as it always is. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know 
<laughs> I know every year, you know, everyone looks like, hey, BJ, what do you think is going to win? I'm like, hey, your guess is as good as mine. Who you got, you know? Uh, uh, you can do it like with my six-year-old. He just picked the, his favorite colors. You know, he won the bracket this year in our family. So, you know, uh, it's, 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 uh, it, it was great. I mean, you know, Kansas played well throughout the tournament and um you know what a great game and um, it was it was a terrific I thought final four overall. Mm. So were you a little bit heartbroken, disappointed or shocked that your Iowa Hawkeyes had such an early exit? Well, you know, when I watch the NCAA tournament, I mean that's what makes it great, you know, is um you just hope that you're not on the end of someone's going to be upset, right? You know, that's that's how you win that's how you win. The bracket, you got to pick these upsets. And unfortunately, we were one of those teams that were, that was upset. But, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. That's what makes the tournament great. You know, St. Peter's this year was fabulous throughout the tournament. And, uh, that's what makes this tournament, you know, so popular and I think so exciting because, you know, it's a 40 minute game and anything can happen. And, um, for better or for worse, we were on the end of, uh, the upset this year. Mm-hmm. You know, BJ, there's uh, NCAA is trying to maybe go the way the women have gone over the last few years and get rid of the the two twenty minute halves. Uh, the women have gone to ten minute quarters now uh, and try to get in line with the NBA. We know, of course, the NBA does twelve minute quarters and that sort of thing. And again, college basketball is is unlike anything else. You know, in high school they play quarters and everything. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously you played both. We all been, or we're kind of used to the twenty minute halves and I, it's hard for me to get used to watching the women with the quarters in that situation because the the team fouls are different and everything what what do you prefer and do you do you think this is going to have any momentum with the NCA trying to make this change well I, I think you know as you as you watch basketball uh, like I do that's played all around the world you watch you know how the game is played and how it looks different you know when you watch international play for instance by fever rules that's a different game yeah. you know the lane is different the rules are different the the game is different when i watch high school basketball that's a different game you know what makes the college game to me a very unique game is the 20 minute half it's a totally different game you know when if you're just a casual observer basketball you you look at it and you go well it's a ball and a couple baskets and you know you know 10 guys or 10 women are on the floor but the truth of it is, is every game is a unique game all into itself. The NBA game isn't played anywhere else in the world other than in the NBA. And that's what makes it interesting. So, you know, as you're evaluating players in college by college rules, you know, as a, as a scout or front office person, you have to make a educated guess on how those skills are going to transfer to the pro game. And that's what makes it interesting. So I, I like the, the game, the way it's, the way it's played because it's a it's a unique game and you have to watch that game and observe the game in a different way or a different thought process so to me it just makes it you know just that's the collegiate game and, and it and it kind of gives it its own identity the more you start making the games look alike then it, you start to you know it doesn't it, it doesn't have the interest same interest for me so i kind of like it where everyone kind of has their lane it's a different basketball game even though it you know, it's, it's, you know, the same court exists, same, you know, basically the rules exist, but the, the, the way the game is officiated, the way the game is played, I think kind of gives it its own identity. I think that's good for the sport. You know, I like the 20-minute halves and used to it. And, Jay, I don't know how you feel about this, but, again, and I was kind of – 
disappointed on the women's side when they went to this quarter situation uh, as well, too. And, I, and I'm still not sure, you know, why they did. Well, I'm going to agree with BJ in that it makes college basketball what it is. Yes. It's unique. Yeah. And let's keep it unique. Let's keep it for what it is. It's the college athletes playing these 20 minute halves. Now, the only thing I don't like is now every three minutes there seems to be a TV timeout. Yeah. I mean, it's getting. <laughs> every I mean, four. Yeah. I every mean, four. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost getting as bad as the M- watching an NBA game. Yeah. But uh, I agree. I, I think we need to keep the 20 minute halves. I think the girls should go back to 20 because that, that's what makes college basketball unique and makes it a different game as speed said you're watching different games you're watching different styles game when you watch them overseas that's a different style of basketball nba is completely different than anything else let's keep them separate let's not kind of merge everything together uh because then you're just going to water down the effect and i don't know about you guys but one of the reasons why they said they did it with the women's game and why the uh, the men's committee is actually contemplating this is because of the foul situation. You know, once you get to it's like the NBA, you get to five team fouls, then it's just automatic two shots. I enjoy the one and ones. You know, I, I enjoy that. It's like okay, once you get to seven, I mean, it's, it's no guarantee, especially if you get to pick up a ticky tack foul or something like that. No guarantee that you're you're automatically getting points there. And I think you know that that adds to it. And you know, again, I don't, I don't know why they're talking about it. I don't know why the women, you know, went went this way. But uh, especially what we saw again, I mean, we saw a very highly rated national championship game. We saw the excitement with it, uh, and it just seems like we're always talking about changing something right. and with, with no rhyme or reason behind it. So I don't think there's any reason to change it. I think they would be foolish to change it. Um, coming in and, and going forward because it, you want to keep this a unique game. There's yeah. nothing like the NCAA tournament. There's nothing won and done for 64 teams. That's why you have the St. Peter's. They get on a run. They come out. Unfortunately, the Iowa Hawkeyes, who had played well coming in, didn't, you know. And uh, you, you get to watch those matchups, and you get to see these kids go through that emotion of, uh-oh, you know, there's three minutes left in my college career. Right. You know? The finality the, of it all. The, the finality yeah. of that. Yeah. And you know, they. Some kids are trying to make plays right up to the, the final end, and some kids are trying to hold it together those last couple of minutes. You know, because they've been at that school for mm-hmm. four or five years, and uh, I think you want to keep that game the way it is and keep it unique mm-hmm. and keep selling the product. The product it is. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic. Yeah, Jay Schrader in the house. B.J. Armstrong uh, joined us via the phone. B.J. NBA regular season is coming to an end this weekend. And I, I don't know about you, but I think, you know, for me and a lot of people, we're so into the college basketball season that the NBA's kind of taking a back seat. Uh, we've seen so many injuries. We've seen the disappointment with the Lakers and the Nets. You know, now we kind of turn the page and, okay, let's get ready for the NBA playoffs. But before we do that, you know, we've got this, uh, I'm just going to say it, this goofy thing called the play-in tournament. And, you know, it's supposed to add to an exciting wrinkle to the end of the regular season. That is the terminology that the NBA is using, an exciting wrinkle. Uh, you know, the reason that they have done gone to this now for the you know two years now is it's supposed to be make you i guess less incentivized uh, to tank games down the stretch in your opinion does this work and do you enjoy seeing a play in tournament for these bottom feeder teams well i think for the integrity of the game um that the commissioner adam silver and the nba they needed to do something 
Now, what that something is, um, you know, I don't know if there's a perfect solution or something that we've said this is what will solve that problem, but I think um, we do understand, especially people who follow the pro game, that tanking uh, is it's a problem. It's a problem for the league. It's a problem for, you know, the integrity of the game. But more importantly, you know, you have these you know, young people out here giving their very best effort. You know, you understand you can't win every game. But when you are not putting your best foot forward, there's something about that, right, that just doesn't sit right because you're trying to get the best draft pick for the following year. Now, I think we understand, you know, the ways to improve. But I think without being long-winded here, I think they had to do something. And right now, I think this is probably the best solution at the moment. And it certainly keeps it interesting. It certainly now has made teams think, you know, give a second thought. Or, you know, second-guess and so say, well, maybe we can get in the play-in. Maybe we can win, and maybe we can get to the playoffs, which has economic ramifications if that were to occur. So I think the league was right. They, needed, they knew they needed to do something. They knew they just can't have all these teams tanking at the end of the season. People are paying good money. And I think for the integrity of the game, at least you try. So I give the league credit. Is it perfect? No, not at this time. But I give them the credit for at least saying we are going to try to address the situation. And I think overall, it's 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 at least you know it's 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 giving teams uh, you know the ability because of the fan base and the public pressure to say just maybe you know, and it's uh, made it kind of competitive down the stretch for at least teams having to play and, and at least try to win games. Where before, if they were out of the playoffs, they just, you know, they just really tried to get the best uh, draft pick for the following year. But wasn't this the, the reason they went to the draft lottery for teams yeah. tanking and that sort of thing to, to kind of, you know, do that? And now we've got to go to this. Again, it just seems like, Jay, we always talk about the NFL being such a reactionary league. And, and more and more, we're seeing this with the NBA. I mean, BJ, how, how long. You know, were we not doing this when the league seemed to be seemed to be great, and now we hear Adam Silver talking about? Well, you know what the big concern is that players are not playing. Our star players are not playing in enough games. It just seems to me that they're bending over backwards, and and don't take this the wrong way because I know you're you know both you guys are former players, but it just seems like. You know, there are more and more players today. It's like, well, I don't feel like playing. Then we got the Kyrie Irving situation. He's not vaccinated. I don't want to do this and that sort of. And it just seems like Adam Silver and the NBA they want to cater to these players, and for the wrong reasons. I don't feel like playing. Our superstars are not playing, and it's 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 hurting attendance and it's hurting television ratings. It's just hurting the product of of the game. And it seems like you're trying to. To bend over here to like, okay, how can we kind of stop this revolt or whatever you want to call it by the players? And I don't know. To me, it just it, – we never had these type of discussions in the past, but we're having more and more of these now. BJ, help me out here. Well, I, and, you know, I, look, I, I think we probably need to, you know, dedicate more than, you know, a couple minutes to this answer. I mean, it's a very yeah. – philosophical question and, and it's very deep. I, I think right now the game is much more complicated than it was in that era. 
Um, I think the does the it need to be though? Played, That's the question. Does it need to be? Well, I think evolution is inevitable. You can't stop it. The game is going to continue to evolve. The business and sports, you know. I mean, look how look what we're doing now. You know, you go from first, day, you know, just the way we cover the game now, right? You know, now we're, you know, you have social media, which has its own set of issues. You know, you have we've gone from newspapers to talk radio to television to streaming to podcasts, and who knows what's going to be next. So, I think in today's world. You know, it's just much more complicated. It's a much more sophisticated place than it was 25, 30 years ago. You know, I don't want to be the old guy in the lawn and say back in my day, hey, if I'm not sure how I would address the situation if I were playing today. So, again, I am learning. And, I, and like I like to tell my 21-year-old son, hey, I'm trying to help raise you in a world I know nothing about because I didn't grow up with this, the things that I'm seeing here. So. As I'm watching these players and working with young people today, I hear their issues. I hear their problems. Um, as a 54-year-old, I understand some things as a 50-year-old. And I think, what's the happy medium? So the, the key thing that I see is that there is a partnership here. And, you know, the old guys with the suits can't all be right, and the young people can't all be right. But what they can do is they can learn how to communicate with one another. To me, that's the, that's the biggest disconnect, right? The old guys in the room never want to listen to the young guys. And at some point here, we got to hear what's going on because this is a new world. And I'm constantly learning, so I'm open to the ideas. And the biggest thing that I see in today's world is different than when I played back then is that these young people today, they have ideas. They have a way to think about the world. But, you know, us older guys, let's just be honest. We didn't grow up. With, with, you know, the Internet. We didn't grow up with social media. We didn't grow up with Instagram. We didn't grow up with all of these things. But how are we telling them how they should be in a world that we truly don't know anything about? So I think that this is an opportunity for us to all kind of sit back, listen, and figure out. Because in, my, in our world, the world we're talking about now, in the basketball business, okay, it's a basketball and there's a business component to it. The only way and the only people that are playing are the young people. The old guys like me, I'm just talking on the radio right now. <laughs> you know, so I got to listen to them and I got to know my position. I am currently now in the back seat of this car. And in the back seat, I can't be trying to drive. So I know my role, I'm playing my position, and I want to listen because my son now, they're driving. Whether I like it or not, I'm in the back seat. I understand my role, I understand my position, and uh, let's go from there. Wait a minute. Sometimes we need backseat drivers, don't we? <laughs> we do. We, we do see some backseat drivers that have uh, some acumen and some uh, intelligence. Hey, I, I, and some... This is their world now. I'm in the backseat now. I'm in the, and you know, and, and and that's the one thing, you know, you know, I, like I, I have to listen. You know, a lot of times I have to listen. To, you know, I have a 21 year old son. I got a 19 year old daughter. I got to listen now. You know what yeah, I mean? Okay. They're driving the car now. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I'm asking them where we're going now. You know what I mean? They used to ask me. But now I'm asking them, and they, yeah. I get in the back seat. I put my seatbelt on, and then I I, I, I let them drive. They're, it's it's a new world, and I think that's the that's where we're at here in sports. But you know, it's it's like you said, the backseat drivers they still want to drive the car, and um, I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, yeah, I think you bring up a good point, BJ, and it's the fact that it's a business. It's it's run as a major business now. All professional sports are, and you're paying these guys these 
salaries that they get today, you want to protect your assets. And is it good for the fans? No. Um, is it different in the world that BJ and I grew up in? Because we grew up winning every game. I, I don't yep. know. You know, I don't know. I look at it. I, I'm with you, BJ. I don't know how I, how I would survive in today's world if a coach came and said, hey, we're just going to be okay today. <laughs> right. I, I couldn't go on the field with just, right. you know, I'm, I'm right. just going to be okay. Yeah. You know, but it's a different world. Yeah, we, we might be an eight seed. There you go. That's good enough. Yeah, you know. And, uh, <laughs> so we, we have to find there's got to be some type of happy medium. And I yep. agree with BJ. We're not there yet. We're, we're just not yep. there yet. and uh, But I do have another question for you because, you know, I grew up in L.A. Yep. and I was a Laker. What in the world happened to the Lakers? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, besides all the injuries, I mean, just you've been on some teams that have been very cohesive uh, all the way along. You've been very fortunate to win. But, I mean, there's certain players that just – can't get it done together. Is that what you saw? Yeah, with the yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I can tell you, you know, um, you know, when you get older, you know, you rely more and more on your experience, and and you know, and looking at the Lakers without trying to, you know, add on to what they have, clearly, without questioning, this has been a very disappointing season in many regards because of the expectations that Laker fans, Laker nations demand. But more importantly, there were a lot of experts, right, Right. Um, who picked the Lakers. And I think more than anything, I think those experts, you know, they feel like they were let down. <laughs> you know, how dare you, Lakers? <laughs> I picked you to win the NBA championship this year, and you guys don't even get into the play. And it's like, okay, <laughs> kind of destroys their credibility a little bit. Um, but I, I think what really happened with this team is the following. You know, there's, there, there's two things that can't be replaced in professional sports. Right, and those two things are effort and energy. And as I like to say, this is a young person's game. This is what young people do because they have a lot of effort. They can give you a lot of effort, and they can, and they have a whole lot of energy. And as you get older, you begin to conserve that energy, and you replace that as you get older as a player with your experience, and you pick and choose. Now, when I look at that Lakers team, they have a lot of experience. <laughs> They have some beautiful Hall of Fame players right. on their roster, but I don't see a lot of them willing to do what's necessary to win a regular season game in January, which is they're going to expend this absorbent amount of effort and energy night in and night out to get there. Because I, I, it, 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 that's what I saw. I mean, yeah. look, if this team could have gotten to the playoffs – Hey, anything is possible because it's a new game, right? And I think right. as the game slows down, those guys would say, "You know what? We're here," and they're 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 motivated to do what's necessary. I think you hit it right on the November, head. December, yeah. January. <laughs> when you got to run around against some rookie, you going, "Man, it's just not <laughs> worth it right now." Yeah. You know, yeah. when you get in your thirties, you know what I mean. You're like. Man, do I really want to do this right now? Let somebody else do this. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, you know, LeBron's looking at Carmelo, and Carmelo's like, man, I'm looking at Russell. Russell's like, no, I'm looking at AD. He's the youngest guy out of all of us. <laughs> and then before you know it, it's, you know, right. January, right. and then February, March, and now it's April, and they're like, oh my gosh, we forgot to give the effort and energy right. that was necessary. Because when you, and the reason I say this is because when you watch them in the preseason, that's always an indication, and especially in basketball, of who you could be or what you are going to be. And I remember this vividly. I was watching them 
They didn't win a game in the preseason. Right. And no one talked about it. It was like, oh, it's just the preseason. Who cares? We'll turn it around. But no, it's not. it doesn't work that way in sports. You don't just turn it on and turn it off. Either the switch is on or the switch is off. And what happened was they go, oh, I think, 0-5 or 0-6 or something in the preseason. And then that's just as now here we are in April, and they're still trying to figure out how to win games. And so to me, that was an indication that these guys didn't want to give the effort and energy. And if there's anything, it's because I've been on good teams, I've been on bad teams. All the good teams were always willing that I played on, always gave the effort and energy necessary. And there's a way to lose a game, right? You make the other team beat you. But when you watch the Lakers, they're not even given the effort and energy necessary. I think you. I think to, you said it very. Uh, yeah. You said it very well. They got four Hall of Famers on there, and you know, December, November, December, January. They're not diving in the front row after a ball. No, you can make the yeah, argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just not. You can make the argument that this is the most disappointing team ever with a collection of talent. And I know that's that's out there. There are some uh, some former players uh, that are actually you know saying that as well too. Real quick, let's look at this. The bottom tier of the East and the West right now is these are the teams that are vying for this play-in tournament just to get in the tournament. Seventh seed in the East, Cleveland Cavaliers, Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and used to be James Harden at, at the eighth spot. Atlanta with Trey Young, the ninth spot. Charlotte there at 10. Over in the West... Everyone talks about the MVP in Jokic, Denver. They're at six. Minnesota, seven. The Clippers at seven with the roster they have there, too. The Pelicans were supposed to be all that, too, of course, with Zion Williamson. And then the San Antonio Spurs at 10. Oh, and where are the Lakers? They're not even in this picture. Look at the bottom. Talk about how times have changed. changed yeah. Well, I think BJ comes up with a good point. Your, your case in point right there, I, I look at the Charlotte Hornets. They're just a bunch of young guys running around. Yeah, they haven't figured out how to play basketball yet, but they give that effort, and that you know they've won some yep. games doing that. And you know when they figure out basketball, they're going to be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I think BJ hit it on the head that you know the older you get, that effort kind of dwindles a little bit. And it's, yeah, you need a, you need a nap in the afternoon. You know when you get older. <laughs> 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 just, you know, you know when you're playing out there, you know Lamelo. Melo Ball, he's fun to play, right? But you're you're like LeBron James. You're going, man. Do I really need to? I don't need to dunk the ball right now. It's November. Let me just lay this thing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and Lamelo's hanging out in the corner. All he wants to sit out there and shoot a three. Right. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Lamelo's running around. These guys are windmill dunking and all of that. Now you get older, you start. You know, you you start playing a little different. So, but I, I think this I think this playoffs is going to be exciting, right? And yeah. and the reason I say that is because. The way the game is played now, you know, you're starting – the game kind of resembles or it has some effect now that you see in college, right? And, and the reason I say that is because small ball really put the – it kind of tilted the pendulum a little bit to the point guard position. And if you watch college basketball, you follow it, you understand how important guard play is at the collegiate level. Oh, yeah. And I think now at the, at the pro level, you're going to see the same thing. Here, I think it's going to be great. I think the exciting, the playoffs are going to be great because the game again is going to change back and revert back to the pro game. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Uh, these playoffs to play in games, I should say. Uh, I didn't really, you know, as a traditionalist, I was like, oh, God, what is this? 
Yep. But you know what? I must admit, I kind of like it a little bit. These yep. one playoff plan games, I think they are exciting. They bring a little excitement to it. And uh, the players, I know, you know, they enjoy it. You know, I've asked, you know, around and they, they kind of enjoy it. And it brings a little little bit more excitement to the game. You got I, I, do, I do have one question to ask you because you are old school and everything else. So you get a breakaway. you got two wing guys running. You're a three-on-two. You pull up and shoot a three. What would your coach have said to you back in the day? Well, first of all, I watch the game. And, again, I have to watch the game with this idea. I don't even know when I'm watching. I see these guys <laughs> dribble up to the three-point line and shoot. And then I look at the end of the game, and I just witness – you know, these teams shoot 63s or right. 73s <laughs> in one game. You know, that yep. was like three months of work in our era, right? <laughs> right. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I, you know, if I'm dribbling up the court and Michael Jordan is on one wing and Scotty Pivot's on the other and I just pulled up and shot a three, I can tell you this. I wouldn't have been in a Bulls uniform for that long. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can just tell you that, right? And I don't think the Bulls organization would have been the one cutting me at that right. time. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, I watch these guys and I do things. I have no idea what they're doing. So, But that, I enjoy it. I watch it. And I live vicariously through these guys because I don't know what it's like to just pull up and shoot a three <laughs> like I, that. <laughs> I always I always laugh because I went to high school with Steve Kerr. He was behind me in high school and everything else. And I said the only way he got the shooter three is because Michael shut passed him the ball. Right, right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he pulled up on if he pulled up on his own, Michael wouldn't have had it. But if Michael yeah, passed yeah, if Michael right. passes you the ball, then you can shoot yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean these guys the way they play I mean I mean it's beautiful to watch Steph Curry. You know, Steph oh, Curry yeah, is right. like I mean, he's like he, he's like you know all of us former players. We like we envy this guy. We're like, right. God, you could actually shoot from the the hash mark. You can right. actually shoot from that. <laughs> right. Whoever would have thought that? You yeah, know? Right. I mean, you know he's he's doing it. He makes it look so easy. But I can tell you, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal shooter. One of the the greatest shooters of all time. But it just never occurred to us to do that. And uh, right. but it's it's it, I love. I love the way they play sometimes, but a lot of times I shake my head. I understand why Steph Curry is shooting. I understand why some of those guys, Kevin Durant, but there are a lot of guys that are shooting threes, and I go, okay, why is this guy shooting? You know, Because um, everybody else is. I'm seven foot, but but that guy can do it. I'm doing it. Every seven footer shoots threes now. Every seven footer. I, I love to say there's three types of shooters, those who make open shots, those who create shots, and then those those guys who can't shoot. There's a reason that <laughs> right. you're open. Right. Well, you t- shouldn't be shooting. <laughs> uh, these guys that buy into the Me Too movement. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. like, okay, it's, it's like, he's doing it. I'm going to do it. B.J. Armstrong, the three-time NBA champ with those Chicago Bulls. Brother, we appreciate you as always. We'll uh, have you on a lot here as we uh, get into some real it. basketball, some real playoff uh, basketball here. Not this regular season, play-in tournament, you know, win, win. That money time, which you are very familiar with, that's that's yeah, we'll, uh, the start get looking you guys at. It. Open, you guys got. I got to get you guys adjusted to this new game. Now we're open. Yeah. Let's yeah. all of us yeah. old people now just adjust to the new world. It's a new world we live in. We got to go with it. I, I, I tell you what, I'm doing, brother. I'm uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sitting in that back seat. I'm going to take the bus for now on. Okay, I'm not hey, sitting hey, in the back hey, seat. Hey, hey. You're not ready to sit in the back seat. <laughs> no, I just put my funkadelics on. That, that, put my music on. There you I go. Back seat. I got to be behind <laughs> the wheel, brother. I got to be. I got to be in my ride. 
outside pumping up the jams front and center. Not the backseat, but having my daughter or your son putting on something that I don't want to hear. This is what I'm talking about. The music may never change, but the drivers of the car do. That's it. Yeah, that's it. The NBA can change. The drivers can change. But, yeah, our music's not going to. Plain and simple. All right, Appreciate you as always, brother. Right, take care. Yep. There he is. B.J. Armstrong. There you go. Jay Sure, you can relate to a little funk. Right? Yeah, I can relate to a little funk. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't oblivious to everything. Yeah. You know, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I did. Uh, I will tell you, one of the best con- concerts I ever saw was by Michael Jackson. Oh. It was phenomenal. Oh, I, saw, yeah. I saw him at the forum and I was, mm. I was blown away. It was unbelievable. Mm. I mean, obviously, he's the king of pop, but to watch everybody in the band do the same steps at the same mm. time, it was the mm. first time that it was a complete show. And I was, I was blown away. Yep. So there's some uh, remarkably gifted people out there. You know the first concert that I ever saw? Jackson 5. Wow. There I, you was, go. I was a young kid and got my, my, my way in there. The Jackson 5. First concert. First that's concert. Some, yeah, that's, that was pretty cool. I mean, my sister had to take me, but uh, it, was, uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was great. I think I was younger than Michael, but, uh, man, did I love it. There yeah. you go. That's, that's how far we go back there. I'm showing my age. I get that. But I said when I was very young, okay? So let's, let's be clear about yeah, that. Uh, All right. We come back. The quarterback is in the house. We'll talk a little NFL, and uh, you never know what else we might cover today. You just never know. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. As I was reminded, today, April 7th, the two-year anniversary of the finale of Serial Madness. Oh, yeah. So just to give you a little flashback, Jay Schrader is uh, in the house here today, that uh, when we got the word back on March the 17th of 2020 that the the Big East tournament was actually playing when we were right. on the air, uh, I was the Pac-12 game started the night before and was getting ready to head over there to go see the game, and then everything was just halted. Stop. Everything was just halted. And so we had no basketball. We had no sports, as we all remember. And the, the pandemic was affecting everybody here. So um, I decided to come up with our own tournament, our own bracket, because we have to have a bracket during this time. We were, we were waiting we for to, it, right? Have to and we, exactly. We, we played a, an, almost an entire uh, NCAA basketball season. So we uh, came up with Serial Madness, where we had our regular guests nominate their favorite cereal, either when they were a kid or currently, and we devised the bracket, and then uh, every uh, day we advanced teams on, and uh, all the way to the Final Four and the championship game. So as I was reminded today, uh, via social media, and of course Numchuk uh, uh, found it today, that today was the actual uh, championship game uh, on April 7th, and the, uh, the finale... We between Honey Nut Cheerios and uh, Captain Crunch. That was the championship game. Now, let me explain to you, Jay, because I don't you weren't familiar with with this uh, going back two years ago. That, like I said, everyone nominated, and now we got down to the championship game. Well, we couldn't just you know pick it because we would have a panel for every round. 
We'd have like like a three panel guest, and then majority advanced it on. So for the championship, we decided to have basically everybody that participated. So we had a, a panel of about 15 people. So on our championship show that day, we had Matt Holt, Scott Spritzer, Danny Tarkanian, Tony Sanchez, the former UNLV head coach, uh, Ron Kantowski, uh, from the, who's a big serial lover with the uh, Las Vegas Review-Journal, uh, Mark Anderson from there as well, Brian Salmon, our news director, our sports director over at Channel 3, Steve Heitner, the comedian from Seinfeld, who was go. Kenny Banyan on, yeah. on Seinfeld, uh, Randy Bennett, the St. Mary's coach, Tracy Murray from okay. UCLA, uh, of course the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, uh, Al Bernstein, uh, Trevor Maddich, and Sinbad. Wow, so now, now, on that show, Steve Berline, your boy Steve Berline, was supposed to be on as well, too. Now, I had 15 people. The reason 15, an odd number. So we would alleviate a tie. <laughs> so what happened? Everybody's chiming in. Every guest comes on. And this episode is still up on the website, if anybody wants to go back and listen to it, under the classic interview page at tcmartinshow.com. It's fantastic. So, Steve Berline missed the call, and he claimed he had something going. He's texting me during this. It's almost 4 o'clock. It's time to get off the air here, and we have 14 people that have checked in. Well, what do you think the count was for Captain Crunch versus Honey Nut Cheerios? Seven and seven. Seven, seven. Seven, seven. It's tied. Berline did not get his vote in because... He, he missed it. So he calls after the show and says, okay, I, I'm ready. I'm sorry I got delayed. Dude, this is live radio. You blew it. <laughs> yeah, you can't, now, knowing you can't Steve Berline the way you know him, former teammate, does this surprise you that he kind of messed us up? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> not, not at all. It's, it, it's all good. Yeah. Expect uh, that from Steve. So the next day, okay, so we couldn't have a winner. So it was like the game went into triple overtime. <laughs> So we said this will be continued because it was on a Monday. So the following, t- so Tuesday, we're going to have to figure a way to get a winner because our audience demanded a winner. So I talked to Burline off the air, and then next morning I said, "You're going to have to come on and, and, and give your vote." But I said, "I don't know if this is going to fly or not." So Burline calls in, gives his vote. I go, "What do I do here? I can't make the decision because you know, I'm the host of the show, right?" Right. I said, we have to bring in a referee, uh, uh, an actual real referee, the best referee. And if you're a boxing fan, you know who that is, the one and only Kenny Bayless. There you go. What you say, I must obey. So Kenny Bayless came on, and we are going to replay part of this show and the decision. I think Berline is still on the phone trying to plead his case here. And Kenny Bayless is coming down. Because we asked Kenny, you make the official decision. Is it going to be Captain Crunch? Is it going to be Honey Nut Cheerios? All the evidence is behind you. It's seven on seven. Here we go. Yeah. And he's and he's trying to be the deciding vote getter here. I know the Bill Cartwrights and the Tracy Murrays and and everybody else, and Al Bernstein. They're they're applauding this right now. But I don't know what to do here, Quake. I don't know what to do. So you know what we're gonna do? Hey, we it, it, go ahead. It was not- it was not broadcast. It was not official. Even though I texted it into you, it was not put out there on the air. I had a night to sleep on it. My, oh. my choice is new. 
It's different. I'm confident. Okay, Steve, true. you need to hang on because we got to go. We got to go to the rule book here. It wasn't on the air. Oh my! There's only one thing to do. There's only one thing to do. We are going to bring in the official referee of the T.C. Martin Show, one of the best referees, if not the best referee in the history of boxing. We're going to bring him in right now because he is going to have to decide this. He is going to have to settle this. The best referee in the boxing business, over 100 title fights he has officiated, some of the biggest the sport has ever seen, De La Hoya Mayweather, Mayweather Pacquiao, Wild Fury 2, the last fight we had here in Las Vegas, the one and only Kenny Bayless. Come to the rescue, Kenny B! Hey, DC, how you doing, brother? <laughs> Kenny Bayless, what is happening? The next month, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm listening, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get the full impact here of what, what happened yesterday. I'm sorry I wasn't able to attend yesterday, but uh, but Steve, I, I've been hearing Steve, and I've been hearing uh, uh, Steve's case on uh, uh, wanting to you know, get his vote in, but unfortunately, he, he missed the deadline, and and, you know, when it comes to being punctual and, and making sure that your vote counts, you got to be on time. And, and it, 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 there's no way around it. And, and, uh, and uh, well, the simple fact that, that the seat was late, but then he texted in his, uh, uh, his vote, uh, which made me have to go to the rule book and uh, check the rule book out here. And uh, I just wanted you to know, Steve, the, the official serial madness rule book code Four six dash two nine one says oh my goodness. your vote, your text cannot be allowed. <laughs> and, and, and you know when Kenny my- Bayless says it. Well, and, and, and Kenny Bayless, well, Steve, you're a fight fan. You know what Kenny Bayless says right after they touch what him up. I say, what I well, say, you must obey, baby. Come on, well, well, but 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 so so neither one of my my vote doesn't count either way. So it ends in a tie. Kenny so, Bayless. The remainder ends up as a draw. There's no way we can get away. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Kent. Hold your on. Your vote doesn't count. Hold on. And, and we, we gotta... Your vote was going to be the deciding vote because TC said it. You were the 17th pick, and your your decision <laughs> would have not allowed it to be a draw, but because you were late and because you missed the deadline, I got to stick with the, with the Cyril Madness code. Four, six, two, that, <laughs> nine, one. Okay, hold on. And it has to stay a draw. Okay, hold on. Now, wait a minute. I, uh, Kenny, I thought we had to go to overtime. Don't we have to go to overtime? Not by the rule book. It says no overtime. No overtime. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the problem, Steve. We wanted to go to overtime today. However, the fans got sent home. The teams got sent home. Everyone is quarantined. Yeah. We can't get anyone back in the arena. We can't get the players, the institutions, as you well know, Steve Berline, they're shutting us down. We, 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 we can't even play anymore, Steve. So that means Kenny Bayless, what is the official decision, Kenny Bayless? The official decision is that it stays a draw. Uh, that, that's is officially you know a what? draw. But I think a draw is a highly acceptable result because it means we'll get to see it again. You heard Kenny Bayless. You heard Michael Buffer. You just heard Jim Lampley. Serial Madness is a draw. <laughs> there it is. 
There it is. There it is. Mendes. And let's let's just sum this all up. You know, he is a good friend of mine, but why is it every time a Notre Dame guy wants to rewrite the rules? Right? Why is it that a Notre Dame guy wants to rewrite the rules all the time? Make it beneficial for himself. What's the deal? I don't know. I don't know. Again, uh, the guy was... You know, marches to the beat of his own drum. I mean, you can't come out of the locker room and you know after kickoff. I guess you can, but you're not going to get on the field, right? I mean, you know, Lou Holtz is going to say, "Forget that. You're not getting in their burr line, right?" I mean, what are you going to do? What would Joe Gibbs do? I mean, you said, "Hey, you know what? I'm ready to go in now." What's Joe going to say to you? Good luck. Yeah. You're not even close. I mean, I mean, Steve knows better. If you're not, if you're not in the locker room by by a certain time, you're not getting dressed, right? You know, so I, coming in late with a pick like that—that's just just wrong, just wrong. Yeah. Well, there you go. So uh, you you know him. Uh, you've known him for a long time, and, and there it is. So that doesn't surprise. So you got to hear that back, and and just hearing him with the butt, 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 right? But 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 yeah. What was all that? I mean, he was backtracking while he was trying. To plead his case, yeah, <laughs> you've got to you got to stand firm when you plead when you're pleading your case. So uh, you know you can't be backtracking and saying all this butt 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 stuff. And guess who we have on right now? The one and only Steve Berline. Today is the two year anniversary. As I was reminding my friend, we just replayed it. Kenny Bayless's decision. Jay Schrader's in the studio. You you you've come full circle, my friend. But 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 what? What? <laughs> Steve, make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you're bringing back a bad memory. <laughs> Richard Steele, I'm still looking for him. Uh, you know, he's ducking me, but I did not disagree with his. I did not agree with his decision. I mean, and then above all of it, number one, you're late, and then you send a text message. <laughs> really. Really? Come on, B. Come on now. It doesn't matter. I, 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 I beat the clock. I beat the clock. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say, you must obey. Oh, see again. Had no. I just great, great, great job there of getting Steve Berline on with us here. And yeah, it was. We were just talking about it because it came up on social media, and Numbchuck said. Today's the anniversary. Two years ago today, so of course we 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 had to get you back on, my friend. So there you have it. You- well, you know, it, it had the potential to be uh, <laughs> n- near the highlight of my career, yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you can't you can't have a draw in that situation. This can't happen. I know, but see, again, everyone's blaming you because if you would have checked in that day before uh, and and got your vote in, and and by the way, who was it going to be? Everyone's asking me, and I forgot, was it going to be Captain Crunch or Honey Nut Cheerios? Who was it for you? Well, for me, it was Captain Crunch. Oh, see, no, no. (laughs) Come on, B. Come on. No, it's got to be Honey Nut Cheerios. I don't know. Captain Crunch is pretty strong. It'll break your teeth. Honey Nut Cheerios all the way. Oh, with, there was no no question. It was Captain oh. Crunch. I mean, it, it wasn't even debatable. And, and, and here's the thing: he knew it. Still, he knew it. There was no doubt about it. But but I, I really think behind the scenes there was some bribery going on. <laughs> I mean, truly. 
Yeah, somebody somebody got a case of a uh, Rice Krispies that delivered to him or something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Something happened yeah. in the back of the the locker room there in the at the MGM Grand Arena or something. I don't know. Well, I just can't believe you guys didn't launch a full-fledged investigation into that deal. Oh. <laughs> hey, believe me, man. Listeners did. We had listeners boycotting the show after that. They were so distraught. <laughs> they had waited for three. Because you remember that. I mean, we had you. We had everybody. We had Sinbad with us. Everyone's joining. And everyone could hardly wait for that decision. And then we got that. So, yeah, it was it was yeah. very controversial. That blew the budget, yeah. right? It blew the budget. It blew the budget yeah. trying to go back and yeah. investigate all that stuff. <laughs> we're like well. the NCAA, man. And, you know, you see these investigations kind of just fall by the wayside, you know. <laughs> here, I, here I was having a great day today. <laughs> you got to bring back that up. It just ruined my whole day. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. There you go. All right, real yeah. quick, man. Did you enjoy the uh, championship game? Uh, Kansas, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, did you enjoy it? Yeah, what a comeback it was for sure. I mean, uh, you know, the, the whole tournament was Whoever won the pools uh, in, in, in around the country know nothing about basketball. Yeah, right. I mean, there's absolutely no way anybody that knows anything about basketball could have could have done well in a bracket with mm-hmm. uh, with the way that this thing worked out. But uh, what an entertaining you know couple of weeks it was, and an uh, incredible way to finish the season. What a story it would have been if uh, North Carolina would have been able to pull that off, but. Uh, you know, in the end, uh, the, the team that that truly was was one of the top two teams all year long, two or three teams all year long. Kansas, um, you know, they, they stepped up at the big moments and got it done. So, congratulations to them! It's just uh, uh, an incredible, incredible comeback and win for them. All right, brother, we appreciate you being a good sport today and uh, and joining us uh, on short notice like that, man. We appreciate you. Really do. You got it, man. I had no idea why Numbchuck was calling me. Like, <laughs> what the heck is going on there? Did, no, you know what you thought? Water. Oh, wait, I missed my time again. Yeah, right. That's yeah. what you're thinking, right? Did I, did I commit to something? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> no, man, I appreciate it, man. Just having some fun with you today. All right, man. All right, good deal. All right, get, get, get down here. Jay and I are waiting for you over at the Cosmopolitan. We're waiting for you, so let us know when you're coming. All right. <laughs> All right, man. We'll catch you guys for take, sure. Take care, brother. Be good. There it is. Your boy, Steve Berline. And and then to top it all off, after this after this long, he still goes with Captain Crunch. Yeah, That's right? just wrong. I mean, it's things. still making an excuse, still blaming the referee. Yeah, no, no it, it's a draw. There it's, it is. It's a draw. I want to thank uh, Jay Schrader for being here in-house, BJ Armstrong, Mike DeCourcy, TJ Reeves. If you missed any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Tomorrow, back at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Bryant sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobb's win. Cobb's win. Cobb's win. Oh, 
It's now in. And a good Thursday to you. Opening day. Opening day, Major League Baseball. All is good in the world. Let's forget all about the 99 days of arguing and debating and crying and whining and owners whining and dining in Florida. No, we got opening day. It's baseball. It's round one of the Masters on the same day. Oh, yeah. You got to love this. T.C. Martin in the house. Jam-packed show coming your way today. Mike DeCourcy is going to join us from the Sporting News. Got a chance to spend a lot of time with Mike over the last weekend. Final Four and CAA Championship game. We'll, we'll talk to him about that. T.J. Reeves will join us as well. He was there with us in New Orleans. B.J. Armstrong, the three-time world champion with the Chicago Bulls. He will join us. And the quarterback, former NFL Super Bowl champion Jay Schrader in the house. So, yes, jam-packed show. Great guest list as usual today. And then on the other side of the glass, with the Windex, it's Numchuck and the G-Man right there. That's why you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, you're just watching the Cubs game. I understand that. There you go. Don't turn on the mic. We don't need to hear oh, from I'm you. I'm turning my mic on. No, we don't oh. need to hear from you. Go Cubs, go. Yeah, go Cubs, go. Wrigley Field, you got to love it. Opening day. Now, you know, this is the first time, I believe, since 1990 it happened one time. Because, what, we had a strike or something, right? That the Cincinnati Reds did not have the first game to kick off the season. Think about that. First time. And why? Because, well, we had a week delay. And so Major League Baseball basically picked up their schedule. So April 7th, opening day, as we know, is supposed to be March the 31st. So to get the 162 games in, they adjust some things, but the bottom line is they just picked up today's schedule where it's at. So therefore, the first game of the day was supposed to be the Red Sox and Yankees, Yankee Stadium, but of course, rained out. So the Cubs got the first game of the day and the first game of the season, taking on the Milwaukee Brewers, and uh, that game at Wrigley Field. So yeah, it seems a little bit strange that the Reds kind of breaking tradition a little bit here, but no fault of their own, not having the first game of the Major League Baseball season. But for me... It's April 7th, it's opening day, and for those old school guys, we know there's a lot of them out there, this is kind of feels where Major League Baseball should be on opening day. It keeps getting pushed you know, forward, back, whatever you want to call it, yeah, pushed forward, and you know, we were supposed to have March 31st as being opening day. So for all the wrong reasons, we got to you know, push back, but April 7th feels good, feels a little strange on a Thursday, but... Yes, this feels good. It feels right for some reason. Weather's good, you know, for the most part, especially here on the West Coast. But, uh, yeah, and opening day of the Masters as well, too. So we'll get you updated on that. But, yeah, Cubs and Brewers uh, in action today. And the Cubbies lead, 5-3. So there you have it. All right. Look forward to a lot more Major League Baseball opening days and nights uh, tonight. Of course, a little invested interest. Astros taking on the Angels tonight. Otani against Framber Valdez. That's right. I'm sporting my Astros gear today for my man, Dusty Baker. So looking forward uh, to that. But I love baseball, love opening day, and, of course, uh, love spending my time at ballparks throughout the summer. All right, let's get a crack in here. Uh, talk about spending time in, in great venues. As you know, I got a chance to spend uh, a fantastic weekend in New Orleans 
at the Final Four in the championship game, 70,000-plus uh, in attendance for the Final Four on Saturday, uh, 69,000 there on Monday night for one of the best championship games we've seen with Kansas defeating North Carolina. We talked a lot about that on yesterday's show, but I wanted to revisit that a little bit with one of the fine columnists from the Sporting News and also part of the Big Ten Network. We're talking about Mike DeCourcy. Mike, what's going on, my friend? Hey, it was great seeing you down in uh... – New Orleans. It was a wonderful trip, and obviously we got to see two great games and one that was reasonably competitive. Not a lot to complain about there. Uh, so uh, it, it was it was a very successful Final Four. Great TV audience as well. Always like to see that. See that the sport is continuing to prosper. So it was it was a highly successful Final Four, and great to be. You know, I can tell you, I was there last year here in Indianapolis. And it literally felt like there was a black cloud over one's head when the ball was not in play. It, it, and you just sort of were trying to get in and out of there and, you know, see the hoops while they were there. But now, you know, it, it felt much better to be in the circumstance we were in New Orleans. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Mike, because, of course, we went without it in 2020. Last year, I guess you kind of want to say it was a skilled back version, of course, you know, with the mass, everything else that went on with COVID still going on. But this had to feel just like it was maybe back in, in 2018 or 2019, right? Where, you know, still, I mean, you had some restrictions in place, but you look around that building, I, I think a lot of people forgot that COVID even existed. But, it, it, you know, I say that kind of like, you know, half jokingly, but the bottom line is it, it let basketball be the center stage and it just felt that way. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, I mean, I, you still have to take precautions where you can, and uh, but uh, it was, it was, it was, we were able to have a normal Final Four, which you know, it, it feels like uh, you know, it was 2019. That's three years ago, and it almost feels longer than that uh, since we did. And so it was great to see. And again, um, the game on Monday night, the biggest comeback in the history of the fi- of the Final Four of, in the history of the national championship game. Uh, exceeding Loyola, which had come back from 15 down in 1963 against Cincinnati. Uh, what really, you know, a very uh, important championship game there between the two teams. Uh, both, really, probably the first majority African American uh, championship game we ever had. Uh, you had uh, multiple uh, African American starters on both teams. It was a, it was the first ever majority uh, African-American starting lineups for the two teams. So a very important date in the game's history, and and that won't ever be taken away. Uh, But uh, that record on the comeback was by Kansas. It was, you know, I'll say this, that when I I left the court at halftime, (laughs) go back into the press room, get a Diet Coke, whatever, um, and I thought that that game was over. And when I came back to my seat and the halftime box was sitting there and I looked at it and Carolina wasn't shooting very well. Their whole advantage was built on free throws. Now, obviously Kansas defended horrifically so that those, that free throw advantage was there. But at that point you started thinking, they're not getting overwhelmed here. They're just not playing well. If they can, you know, they're a good team. If they can find their way back to that or better, they got a shot here. And that's what, that's what changed my mind, thinking they had a shot. And then, obviously, the first five minutes, they came out, played shutdown defense. DeWan Harris, everybody on the dais for, for the, the Jayhawks after the game wanted to make sure that you understood, we all understood, what a difference DeWan Harris made in his attacking defense against the basketball. And, and 
and how that turned the game around. So it's funny, Mike, because do you remember our conversation that we had at halftime, which you just referred to? I, I, you, I said, hey, are you start writing your article yet? Uh, you know, with uh, with North Carolina cutting down the nets, and then you know, we kind of joked a little bit. And I said to you, I said. Kansas has a run left in him. I think they have a, a run left. And and do you remember what you said to me right after that? I don't know, but I know I agreed to start writing. I <laughs> yeah. know that. You said, well, you have a lot more confidence than I do. <laughs> there you go. I did it. And I'm serious. It, it really did change. Right. It did. When I, felt, I got back to my seat. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went back, like I said, back to the seat. And then I felt the same way. You, know, I thought they would have a run. And I did. And I, But there's no way in the world... I kind of felt confident that they could sustain that run or come back with another run with Carolina. And you mentioned the first, you know, four minutes, first five minutes, uh, especially you know before that first, uh, you know, under sixteen timeout, that you know they it was lockdown defense, and that's what we saw. And we saw the lead go from fifteen down to nine, and then you know all of a sudden, you know, boom. Uh, we we got ourselves a ball game, and then when the lead got cut down a little further, then Carolina went on that seven one run. I mean, later on the game when Kansas took a six point lead, if you remember that, it was like, wow, right. this thing is flipped. And all of a sudden, now Carolina answers with that seven one run. Here we are. Now we're tied up, and now we're back and forth basically for you know the final ten minutes of that game. But I, I'm with you. Yeah, the first half, I looked at that the Kansas team. I'm shaking my head. I don't understand. You know what they're doing here. It was like they played scared and they missed the free throws. So Abaji go two for seven in the first half, uh, you know, at the line, it just didn't make any sense. And, but the second half, I mean, lockdown defense, I think really triggered it for the Jayhawks. And then still Mike with just a little over a minute to go in that game, Carolina had the lead. I think a lot of people forget that they still had yeah. a one point lead and then big shots by Kansas. And then some big stops by Kansas and those buckets by McCormick at the end, you know, rock solid, but this game was in doubt until the final, whatever, 4.3 seconds. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, uh, when Dewan Harris stepped out of bounds on that sideline inbound play, they ran up the, the line. Um, you know, I, I did not blame that on Dewan uh, because, you know, you put yourself at risk with a play like that. Uh, so, I mean, that was a full team effort uh, blowing that inbounds play. Uh, but, I, you know, it's funny because if that shot, if that last possession by Carolina had gone differently, obviously they could have tied the game, gone in overtime. But just the fact that it was so bad, it almost made it a non-story that he stepped on the line. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, there was nothing to what Carolina ran on that inbounds play, uh, so much so that when it was over, you're thinking about the comeback and you're thinking about the fact that they screwed up the MOP, vo- uh, the most outstanding player voting. And there were so many stories to tell. And that one seemed inconsequential because it was such a bad play that, you know, and down, even down to the fact that um, – that Bill Self talked about with his players at halftime, would you rather be down 15 at half with 20 minutes to play, or would you rather be down nine with two minutes to play, which was Kansas circumstance in 2008. Actually, it was, I think it was 209 or something like that, uh, 212. It was a little bit more than two minutes, but uh, he didn't have to be accurate to make his point. And, and, they, and they, they, they all said, yeah, we'd rather be in our circumstance now, down 15 with 20 minutes to, to bring that back. And, and they had obviously done it in 20, 20, 2008, but they had done it by a team choosing or failing to execute a foul. 
And so they they went out there with four seconds left and made the same decision and got away with it because Carolina's inbound play was so poor. Right. Right. Mike DeCourcy joins us, a fine columnist with the Sporting News, also with the Big Ten Network. Mike, you've been covering these Final Fours, championship games, and college basketball for a long time. I mean, decades. How does this one compare to you in in others that you've uh, witnessed? Yeah, this was a better Final Four than we've had in a while. Uh, I'm trying to remember one where the games were this competitive. I'd say probably... Uh, you go back to 15, the teams weren't nearly as good this time as 15. But mo- we had the bad Michigan State-Duke game, but then a great Kentucky-Wisconsin game and a great final, uh, very competitive. I think the games were a little better here uh, between the the, the uh, Duke game and the uh, and the Kansas game against Carolina both times. I think those two games were better than the ones in 15, but the teams in 15 were significantly better. I mean, like probably a good third better than these two teams were. Mm-hmm. Best story for you with this tournament, and I know it probably goes to St. Pete's. A lot of people are thinking that, but uh, you know, if we take a deep dive, uh, whether it's Coach K, it's St. Pete's, or um, you know, the, Kansas, you know, got this championship, with, you know, with kind of a three-year process going back to that 2020 team. What about for you, Mike? Best story of this tournament? Yeah, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways it's David McCormick who, who should have been the most outstanding player, a player who. Uh, sex, success did not come easily. Uh, it probably, you know, he probably should have been a better player uh, than he's been for four years. But he's had some injury problems, especially this year. Fought through them. Fought through a lot of criticism from the Kansas fan base. Uh, not all, you know, it's never all the Kansas fan base, but a significant portion of the fan base that he had to fight through the criticism and delivers in the biggest moments and and was the and was the best player at the final four not the not the most talented and not the best future pro or whatever but performed the best on that stage and i'm still mystified as to how he did not win the most outstanding player award uh ochai abaji look he played great defense on caleb love in the final and he had a really strong semifinal game but what what the voters failed to understand is when when a 20 point score goes into a game like that and misses his average by eight points. I mean, somebody's got to make that up. Right. I mean, that, that's a that's a big that's a big miss. And for for a star like that to go out there and 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 produce to that level, um, I don't think you can call him most outstanding in that circumstance. Look, he was a big part of them winning because first of all, he got him there. He was a, by far their best player in getting there, uh, and he was outstanding in the semi. Uh, and he did the great D in the in the final, but that missing those miss, missing those eight points was something that Kansas had to replace. And it, on a night when there when, when literally like their three their their three next scorers, uh, you've got uh, uh, Jalen Wilson, uh, you've got uh, obviously Remy Martin, and then you've got as well Christian Brown. Uh, all those guys. Went one for, and I think it was one for six, one for seven, one for five, some, uh, some some combination of that in the first half. So somebody had to keep you in that game. Somebody had to provide the points that you that you could get back into it. So I, I thought it was unfair and disappointing that uh, that David McCormick didn't get the most outstanding player when he held uh, Armando Baycott to three of thirteen shooting and went out and went fifteen ten himself in the final and made the the, the game the game leading basket and the game clinching basket 
that I thought that was a miss. Yeah, yeah, two jump hooks there in the final minute by McCormick uh, sealed the deal, and it just seemed like that. The voters were looking at the game against Villanova the other night when Abaji was on fire from three, especially in that first half, and it looked like they were thinking more about what transpired on Saturday against the undermanned Villanova team than they were actually watching what had transpired and all of his missed free throws as well, too, that Abaji yeah. had. Yeah, so I agree with you totally. It, it was McCormick. I mean, the way he played, and I understand a lot of these guys will think, well, the entire body of work as far as this season, that's got nothing to do with it. This is supposed Absolutely. to be, you know, it's not necessarily the championship game as well, too, because the way they, they word it is, you know, the Final Four, right, most outstanding right. player. But you're right, if it's if it's just strictly the championship game, it's McCormick. And even if you stretch it to Saturday hey, well, don't night. Don't forget, McCormick went 25 and 9. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's what, yeah, yeah, so it wasn't exactly. Kind of, you know, if he'd, have, if he'd have put up like, you know, 6 and 11 or something like that yeah. on Saturday, I would have been quiet. But he went, he, you know, although I believe Abaji was the key to Saturday night's victory, and that's what I wrote about as a result, I, I still acknowledge McCormick was fantastic on Saturday. And then when you add in, what he did on Monday, which was to go over his average and, and cover uh, a lot of the, the missing points from, from Abaji. Look, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this to be denigrating Ochai because he had a magnificent year, first-team All-American in a very strong year uh, for individual players and was clearly a, a very important part of their championship run. But it, at that stage, I mean, you, can't, you can't miss like that. Uh, you, you can't. I have been doing this. That was my 32nd Final Four, and I've never had the most outstanding player award leave me like completely uh, jaw dropped. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I saw that on the board, I was because I had just written I had just written my lead about how uh, basically that his name was his his jersey was going to go in the rafters because he was going to be MOP because that's a that's an automatic at Kansas if you're uh, the Final Four MOP you you go into the rafters and. Uh, and I had to like tweak it a little bit, you know. I had to tweak the concept because uh, they got it wrong. So, what was worse than that uh, at the end, or uh, the president or the commissioner saying the uh, Kansas City Jayhawks were your national champions? Oh, I, you know where we were. <laughs> it may not be, may not have been the case where you were, right. but where we were, I couldn't hear sound at all. Right? No, the neither could I. It, it, yeah, right. Yeah, the way it is. Um, I, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't. I could barely hear the anthems. Um, and, you know, I could never hear the the PA. So I didn't hear him say that. I didn't either. I, it was I after the some, fact, and then I go, "What?" And then, yeah, uh, crazy. I yeah. saw some reference to it on on Twitter, but yeah. I didn't understand where it came from. So now you, yeah, you know, you're telling me, uh, not a shocker uh, based on my dealings. Let me say, Mike DeCorsi joins us uh, from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. All right, Mike. Uh, one thing that no one was talking about that I didn't hear anyway during the course of this, and especially afterwards, is the potential pro for Kansas Uh, no one was really talking about that and you know this is kind of a a goofy nightmarish situation you know four and a half years this stuff happened uh, you know mostly here in Vegas you know of course you know during the AU summer tournaments and it took Arizona forever to you know come to their wits and and get rid of Sean Miller Uh, LSU same thing Uh, you know getting rid of their coach uh, but no one's really talking about Bill Self in Kansas. And again, not to rain on that parade, but we're a few days removed from this now. And this is a story that no one is really talking about. Give me some insight about this going forward. 
are we going to see anything happen to Kansas? Oh, yeah. Uh, there will be penalties. It's just a question of how severe they are. And and I would suspect that Bill will serve some suspension. And, again, how severe. And if it's too severe, I, I suspect that it will go to court. And, and I will explain why. Most of the, the, the biggest parts of the NCAA's case against Kansas is involved in a testimony, a court testimony from one of the trials that developed from this uh, investigation. Uh, the testimony was by a man named T.J. Gasnola, who used to work as a consultant for Adidas. And in it, he, in the testimony, he acknowledged that he had given money to the family of at least two Kansas players. And, and that, so there are clearly, if you're, if you're accepting the word of that man, then you are clearly uh, believing there were violations. And I think Kansas believed there were violations because one of the players was withheld when they thought there were problems and then never played there. So, so as a result, um, there are violations that will have to be uh, sort of dealt with, so to speak. Uh, some, some accommodation will have to be made. But also in that trial and in the co- course of that, com- uh, that, uh, that interrogation uh, on the witness stand, uh, the man said, was asked, did Kansas or Bill Self ever know about this? And his answer was never. So if you're going to believe the first part of the testimony – don't you have no choice but to believe the second part of the testimony? And yet the notice of allegations were presented to Kansas. It indicates that they are believing the first part but not the second part. And I don't know how they, I don't know how they explain that away if they ever have to explain it in a court of law. And, again, I think that whether they end up there depends on how hard they choose to punish Kansas and Bill Self. If it's, if it's something that, that, you know, that they can handle – then I think they'll let it ride because, as I said, I think they realized there were violations. Uh, but if it's something that is over the top relative to this uh, and relative to Bill Self, then I think at that point it goes to a court of law. I, I believe that from the, from the time I followed the testimony uh, of in, in, in that particular court case, I believe it was the fall of 18. I wrote about it then. You can find the column online. Um, it, 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 I, just, that, I don't think that they will, they will stomach a harsh punishment. Why the elongated time here for nothing to be done? And not just, it took Arizona forever, LSU forever, and then again, this is still hovering over Kansas. I mean, yeah. you, you feel that there should be some moratorium here. Hey, if this isn't taken care of within a year or something, I'm not saying that it goes away, but just the NCA needs to address this in a timely fashion, don't they? There are two reasons. One is that they were withheld. The Justice Department basically said, you can't do anything until we're done. You can't touch this. And so they had to wait, in some cases, ballpark two years. And some, like some of the stuff didn't come out until uh, two years. Like the, the, case, the case of the, the, the comments that Will Wade made on tape didn't come out until March of 2019. Uh, so that was even after some of these trials. Um, the case, the, the, the comments, as I said, the testimony about Bill, that stuff didn't come to the fall of 18. Uh, they, so they weren't released to, to investigate this stuff until later. And then the second element is the new process that they have developed outside, you know, outside their house, the independent accountability review process. I still don't know what the value of this thing is because I don't see any difference in the way they investigate. All I know is that once they say something, you can't appeal it. And again, that's why that's why you know they've got you know they've got the uh, speed dial uh, on the. Uh, 
on the the, uh, the the Lawrence, Kansas, or wherever the heck the county seat is for Lawrence, Kansas, the court the courthouse. That's why that's on speed dial, man. Because as soon as they see something they don't like, <laughs> that's the only direction they can go. Uh, if it's not the college football playoff uh, fiasco, it's uh, you know college basketball. With this, it just it's just too bad that it, that it clouds your know, two great sports. Uh, that we have here, and the NCA is just front and center of uh, of all this stuff. Uh, before I let you go, Mike, I did want to touch on you the coaching hires that have taken place. Obviously, very popular time frame now. I know you wrote about it as well too. So I want to hit you on on these and just give me some fi- some quick feedback on. First of all, we know Coach K handing the reins over to John Shire. Uh, Seton Hall now has uh, Shaheen Holloway going back to his alma mater from St. Pete's because of his run. And then, of course, uh, Sean Miller is returning to Xavier. And then an interesting one that we talked a little bit about over the weekend, Thad Mata uh, going to Butler. And then uh, also... You know Kevin Willard taking over uh, at Maryland. I got a chance to see you know Danny Manning during the course of this Final Four. Saw him and talked to him a little bit on Monday night. Feel like he got a really a raw deal there at, at Maryland. Probably a raw deal at Wake Forest as well. But with all of these uh, coaching changes here, uh, give me your thoughts. Well, you know I think that most of them did pretty well. You know there were a couple that I found interesting, curious, odd, like Todd Golden going to Florida. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, it's a long way to go to hire a coach with three years of experience. Um, but you know, for Xavier to, to hire Sean Miller, he's a great coach, and he's been there, and he knows he knows uh, Xavier. He knows how to win there. Uh, same with Thad at uh, Butler. Uh, you know, a great coach, chance to get him back. I hope he's healthy for the run because that's that was the only problem with him in a, in the last circumstance. But you know, I, I think for the most, you know, Shire. You know, I, the reason I gave him an A minus grade, people were like, why'd you give him an A minus grade and Kenny Payne only a B? I said, well, he's already got two top 10 recruits and one top 20 on top of that. So, uh, you know, he's kind of got a track record there. So even though he hasn't coached a game, although he did finish one or two that Mike wasn't healthy enough to finish, uh, he does have it. He does have a track record. So he gets a little bounce there. Now, whether he lives up to that or not, that's the job. Uh, but I do think, uh, from that standpoint, they're already getting dividends. Uh, based on his recruiting. And uh, LSU, uh, Mike McMahon comes over from Murray State. Virtually no returning players for that LSU program. And then all the the, the players that uh, LSU had committed, those commits, they, they decommitted. What is going to transpire with this program? Well, I think they're in a circumstance similar to what Cincinnati was in 2006 and what Indiana was in 2008. You're basically starting with an empty gym. And Mick Cronin was able to get it done at Cincinnati. It took five years for them to get to the tournament, but they did. Uh, and then it took uh, Tom Crean, I think, four years to get to the tournament. And then he won the Big Ten in the fifth. So it's doable. Uh, it takes, uh, you know, some great recruiting and some significant coaching. Uh, but it, it is doable if you're, if you're up to it. And, you know, whether Matt McMahon is or not, I think that the one thing that says maybe is the scouting that they did at at Murray over the years, um, you know, they, they, they were the ones who found John Morant. Yep. Uh, they were the ones who found Cameron Payne. Although I will say that I tweeted about him when I watched him play AAU and no high major coaches went running to the gym. They should have, uh, he's still with the Suns, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, it, 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 McMahon has done some significant scouting, uh, over the years. And I think he's going to have to find some guys 
beyond just the top recruits. He'll have to find some winners uh, to go to LSU. All right. He is Mike DeCourcy, a fine columnist, been doing this for a long, long time. Like you said, what, 32 Final Fours. Uh, you've covered, Mike, in your time. A great uh, columnist at the Sporting News, also the Big Ten Network. And you mentioned that we saw some great basketball, saw a great championship game. We also got to enjoy some good food, too. And, and that is yeah, important any, anytime we're covering that, Mike. So uh, that, that was great that we got some good food. We got a chance to, uh, to catch up, uh, reconnect. I appreciate you taking the time, uh, uh, my friend, and uh, we look forward to talking with you quite a bit here down the road. Sounds great. Thank you. There it is. All right, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. Uh, great stuff. 32 Final Fours. Great. Um, a shout-out, too, uh, to our good friend uh, Ed Graney from the Las Vegas Review Journal too. So I got a chance to I mentioned on yesterday's show how I got a chance to either see, run into or connect with people that I knew were going to be there, didn't need to uh, or know was going to be there. And uh so I uh, saw Ed, uh he was sitting there and I think Ed's been at like 22 or 24 of the final fours. So uh, yeah, we had a couple uh, guys from Vegas that uh, made the trek uh, to New Orleans. To, uh, to cover this thing, it was great uh, you know, seeing all those guys. And again, like I mentioned yesterday, seeing uh, Kevin and Long Kruger, obviously knowing they were going to be there. So uh, that was a priority for me to make sure uh, I hooked up with them and saw them and to see Lon and Kevin together uh, sitting there front row too. Front row, center court. Tell, tell me that Long Kruger has a little bit of juice. There's no question about it. I mean, 39 years of coaching. Uh, had the best seats in the house. Front row right there. So... Uh, uh, very good stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, Mike mentioned, uh, you know, John Shire uh, at Duke and talk about how he's got two top ten recruits. Uh, so I'm going to give a shameless plug here, too, because one of those recruits uh, is Sean Stewart. Uh, and his father, uh, Michael Stewart, Yogi Stewart, played for me uh, back in the day. And he went to Cal, played with the Celtics, played with the, uh, the Toronto Raptors as well, too. Had a, had a nice career. And uh, his son, Sean Stewart, is going to be a great player for Duke. So I got to spend some time with them as well, too. And uh, when I was uh, tweeting out those pictures and showing old pictures, people didn't recognize Yogi because he had a Duke shirt on. And they were going, wait a minute, how can that be him? He's got a Duke shirt. Well, his kid just signed there. So he, he's now sporting the Duke colors. But uh, Sean's going to have himself a, a great career. He's about 6'9", and uh, typical Duke uh, recruit there, but uh, good for Sean because he's a he's a smart kid, he's a talented kid, and uh, could have went anywhere. And Kansas was one of those places that were was uh, recruiting him as well too. So uh, yeah, great time at the Final Four, great time uh, in the championship game, and getting a chance to see the biggest comeback in NCAA basketball championship game history. Uh, something very, very special. Okay, appreciate Mike DeCourcy for joining us. We come back, uh, continuing on with uh, TJ Reeves. It's opening day. We got NFL, and of course, yeah, some basketball that we enjoyed over the weekend as well, too. And next hour, we got more for you. Jay Schrader will be in the house as well, too, and BJ Armstrong. So a lot more coming at you right here on this thunderous Thursday. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. <laughs> that is my man, Kenny B. The best. Boxing referee on the planet. And why does Numchuck play a rejoiner from Kenny Bayless right now? Because I have been reminded, and it's out there, I guess, on social media, that two years today, 
April 7th, 2020, we did not have any college basketball. And you remember, our world-renowned serial madness took place of the NCAA basketball tournament. And today was the final day, our championship game, so to speak, of serial madness, where Kenny Bayless had to step in and dispute what took place. It was, it was like something out of a Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. And uh, we had to go to the best referee in the land. So maybe next hour, Numchuk can uh, put that together and uh, we'll uh, try to replay Kenny Bayless's official decision, which to this day is still disputed by so many. And I know certain people that are listening right now and are saying, yep, I told you. Because we had people boycott the show because they were so upset of the decision that came down regarding Serial Madness. We had people so upset, including some of our guests, including one regular, the big seven-footer, who's still to this day, I think when he was in here in studio a few weeks ago at the beginning of the NCAA tournament, he brought it up again. Yeah, he did. Serial <laughs> so, Madness lives on. But yes, today's the two-year anniversary of the decision. Or maybe the, the non-decision. There it is. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, we'll see if uh, see if you can get creative with them, Chuck. We'll see. I you're you're you, you got about an hour. You know, put something together. Go back and hear the Kenny Bayless decision. You'll work on it. I know you will. In the meantime, I'll talk to our good friend who I was hanging out with in New Orleans. We just heard from Mike DeCourcy, and uh, here is our wingman right now, the one and only Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter, also. <coughs> Uh, the as he likes to say, the somewhat competent host of college basketball <laughs> coast to coast. T.J. Reese, what's up, my man? Uh, always good to be with you. We have survived the Big Easy. Uh, did you have any fun, by the way, the Big Easy? It was not dull for any of that, was it? As <laughs> promised, it delivered. I saved some of the stories uh, for you, my friend. You know, so I, I shared a couple <laughs> stories yesterday, but yeah, there were there were plenty of stories. Yes, I had a great time. I had fun. It, uh, it, you know, it was it, it it was it was very interesting to say that. But no, to see the championship game the way they did, the way we mm. did with uh, the biggest comeback in NCAA championship history, the Coach K finale. To see that was was great. And uh, I gotta say, the accommodations uh, were fine, no doubt about it. I was a little bit uh, tepid about that. Uh, you know, with the the rooming situation, well, you the, the view. Have you shown your audience pictures of the view out the hotel where we're looking right at the Superdome? I mean, my lord, it's not like yes. we were out at the airport looking at like an air conditioner. Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Right good. out, right out the window, you look down and you had the sparkling pool, and then right over that, you had the Caesars Superdome next to the uh, King Smoothie Big Smoothie Arena. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, you're right, right there. I I mean, if we could open up the window, I might be able to fire a fastball. I might be able to hit the side of the dome uh, potentially. So there you go. I, I don't know about your outfield arm, but maybe. I, I, I would say maybe. I'm on a former pitcher now. Remember that. So again, it's. And yeah. I cannot convey enough how convenient and great that was for cities like New Orleans and Indianapolis and even San Antonio, where you can walk everything. Because again, in Glendale, Arizona, where this thing's going to be back in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, it is literally like an hour or an hour and a half to get from the hotel to the to the stadium and then back. We were there and back in like seven minutes. Yes. It was fantastic to be able to go get food, 
to be able to soak up the ambiance, the drunk Kansas fans after the game in the middle of the night, Monday night, whatever we were trying to soak up there for the Jayhawk win. What a what a performance by them and uh, memories, memories that will last forever, including brunch at Mother's on Monday afternoon. We did not have cereal at Mother's. We had assorted other food at Mother's, which has been there since 1938 in the New Orleans French Quarter. How about that? And we went there and had a little good food, good cuisine. I'll tell you, now, see, with T.J. Reeves being a southern guy, I mean, hanging out there in Florida, he, he has close proximity to New Orleans. And, of course, being in the same division as the Saints that the Buccaneers are, I rely on my man big time. And, uh, yeah, you knew the, the back ways, the, the, the bowel area of the Superdome. Uh, while all these other ham and eggers are going in and filing in up the hill and around this and that, T.J. Reeves is swerving. He's like swerving Mervin Fernandez is back in the day and we're going through you know places that i don't even think are, or even you know have light bulbs in, no, anymore you gotta have it was, a guide it's it like guide. going up Fantastic. going up kilimanjaro yeah. or going yeah. up the uh you get the himalayas you gotta have a guy right. you gotta have a shirt you were the guy i appreciate yes. it. now I, I will say this as people would probably you more like to hear the stories that we encountered instead of recapping the college basketball. We just did that with our, our good friend Mike DeCourcy. Right. So with you, I, I think listeners would probably rather hear about some of our other ventures. And I'm going like, to leave this on like, you. Uh, like, for example, on <laughs> Sunday night, on Sunday night, we decided to go venture down Bourbon Street, which was quite the scene. The doctor had never been down Bourbon Street. Numchuck, you'll love this. We're, we're seeing all kinds of oddities and individuals and various things and strip, strip club establishments and, and, bunch, and bunches of alcohol establishments and whatever. And I was trying to tell you that was tame Sunday night compared to Saturday night or compared to even Monday night after the game for the celebration for the Kansas fans. But we go into one such establishment and have a beverage, and TC's watching the South Carolina um, UConn wins championship game, had money on the Gamecocks. You were good all the way on the money line, so you were in, you were in great shape. I go to use the bathroom. I go to use the restroom, and I kid you not, audience, on the galactically famous T.C. Martin show, that in every one of the urinals, they had a plastic picture of Coach K's likeness with, like, his hands on his head, the same photo that you're, how shall we say, urinating on, in, in the bathroom in the French Quarter. I came back and told you this. You're like, come on. I said, go see for yourself. You don't believe me? They've been, uh, unfortunately, dumping on Coach K all weekend since Duke lost. So there's a little story for the audience. That, that, was, that, was, that was good. That was good. But <laughs> uh, I, I think you're going to need to take some blame for what took place uh, the night before that. Now, after the final four games, it was rather late. Now, Mr. New Orleans, yeah. T.J. Reeves is telling me, oh, there's plenty of uh, establishments that are still open. We didn't get out of the Superdome till midnight, and we were right. starving. And now people know, and I think I may have talked about this on, on the show here when C. Win and G Man were filling in for me. I had a little bit of a nightmare uh, story arriving, okay, with a, a three and a, a three and a, a half hour bit. delay in Austin, and thinking I was going to get to New Orleans at one o'clock for the five p.m. Central tip off. But no, I arrive about four o'clock, doing a mad dash to get to the <laughs> hotel, check in. Uh, nightmare Uber driver drops me off this, at the wrong spot. Bottom line is, hook up with T.J. Reeves. He does the Swerving Mervin Fernandez gets me into to the joint a uh, half hour before tip we off. Have to go, so, we have to go right. get your credential first. Yes. You got to get changed yes. out of your airport yeah. clothes. No we problem. Get, we then, and we, we did then that. get the credential. We swerve. We we bob. We weave. Right. We get in. 
It, the it, games are amazing. The Duke Carolina game's amazing. And the doctors like starving to death. Be, you didn't eat a lot of food. There we go. Didn't have any time because, of course, the media shut down. The media meal shut down. So we're going to have to wait till after the double header here. So I put TJ Reeves on the case here to find us a place. You take it from there, my friend. So we have a couple of places that are options right by the Superdome and right by the hotel. And lo and behold, for reasons that are unexplained, great mysteries <laughs> of the world, we need, uh, what was it, Robert Stack on that show in the 80s with, you could just solve a mystery. What is the mystery with how a place is not open at midnight on Saturday night after the Final Four in the French Quarter in New Orleans, in the area where we are? And yet uh, the two places we were trying to go to, to get somebody, they they were closing the one set we just closed. I said, you were you were negotiating. You said, what are all these people doing in here? And you said they have already they have already been here, and the kitchen is closed, yeah. and we are, we are kicking. And I got out. ourselves a table. I got ourselves a table, and then the, I'm talking to the bartender, server, waitress, and you were a little bit uh, hesitant. I'm going, no, she's going to serve us. She's going to serve us. And then she comes back and says, but then, well... She, but then at that place, what did she tell you? Yeah, she she t- told you it's going to be an hour to an hour and a half before you get your food. Well, that's and- what she told you, okay? Then when I started to, <laughs> to sweet talk her, she goes, I got you. I got you, baby. I got you. No problem. Yeah. However, oh, yeah. however, then she comes back and says, but... I can't really give you the quality of the food. I go, wait, what does that mean? She goes, well, we just had two people quit in the kitchen. Yeah. So, yeah. so exactly. we're basically down to two and a half people. I don't know if one was Little Tokyo or Sky Low Low being a midget. I have no idea what two and a half people in the kitchen means. But that was right. not a good sign. And I go, what would you do? Would you eat here or not? And she goes, yeah, probably not. So yeah, therefore, exactly. I now hand the baton to TJ Reeves. Find us a place, knowing that I just went through this with the big seven-footer in San Francisco a week earlier, and I said, there's got to be late-night pizza. When in doubt, late-night pizza, I hand the baton to TJ Reeves. He gets on the phone. Take it from there. Yeah, so we start trying to find, is there a pizza place that will deliver? Do we have to go get it? So we find a pizza place. I find a pizza place on the phone that is allegedly a couple of, not even a couple of miles, about a mile and a half from the Superdome that has pizza. I call them. I order it. It's a carryout. It's going to be ready in 15 minutes. Meanwhile, you're on the case to get us a lift. Well, stop. Stop. And G-Man's eyes just went up, just like mine did. 15 minutes for a large pepperoni and mushroom. That's a red flag. And what did I say at that point in time? This isn't right. It's got to be frozen. I mean, no one makes a good large pizza within 15 minutes. Go ahead. But desperate times call for desperate measures here, Doctor. We were looking to get some food. I I found the establishment. You found the Lyft driver, sort of, that sort of spoke English. And then we're trying to find this place, uh, and we leave kind of the Superdome area, and suddenly... How shall we say we're perhaps in the wrong part of, of New Orleans, that part of New Orleans, trying to find the place? And we can't find the place. In fact, the driver can't find the place. We're using the GPS. We can't find the place. And eventually, we figure out that it is a pizza place in an unnamed, don't sponsor the show, gas station. <laughs> to, which, no, no. to which I say to the doctor, let's abort. Let's just pull the ejection handle and abort here so on this. We're not going into here's the, the part. He gave, you, he gave you the fast-forward version. We're in this lift. This guy speaks no English. 
He couldn't even pick us up. He was on like a different part of town, and he calls me. I call back six times, and he's like hanging up on me. And then all of a sudden, he shows up. No English, no English, no English. He has the address in front of him. He's driving around and asking us, where's it at? He's asking us, where's the beer? You're the driver. You supposedly live here. I agree. Then we end up, and he pulls over in this parking lot. There are people doing things illegally in this parking lot. Potential transactions taking place. And this guy is ready to drop us off in the seediest spot of New Orleans. I'm going, we're not getting out of this car. And this guy go, pizza here? Pizza here? No, do you see any pizza here? There's not even a, a, a – these are all vacated buildings. What are you talking about? Right, exactly. So, so then we, we, we tell this guy to keep going, keep going, keep going. TJ gets back on the phone to the pizza guy. I go, get that guy back on the phone. He goes, well, he didn't speak English last time. I can't understand it. I said, get him on the phone or else we might be dead in the next five minutes. So anyway, TJ gets back on the phone and, and, and tell him that conversation again. Uh, yes, and so he then reveals that the pizza place is inside of the unnamed gas station establishment that does not sponsor the T.C. Martin show. And and at that point in time, I realize it's not going to be pretty, but I reveal uh, we've got to go in there if we're going to get it. It's, it's a board. It's a board at that point. We're not going to go do it. We're going to go find something else. The, I understand your concerns. I mean, you had had a hellacious day of travel. You had witnessed a phenomenal second semifinal Duke, North Carolina, with all the hatred Coach K's last game. You just want to get something to eat. And you don't want to end up being being shot at, chased down, or whatever in the wrong part of town while trying to get a pizza. So and I and I we do to not back out of there. Yeah. We eventually went right back where we were. I know you're going to ridicule me for that. We went right back where we were around our hotel and went to another pizza place that we could walk to. And it was probably what thirty or forty minutes before we got the food. Well after one 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 thirty local time, we're still eating. You're on Pacific time. It wasn't as bad for you. We eventually got something to eat, and then uh, and then things got better, Doctor. From there on, for the rest of the weekend, there including the championship. There you go. But yes, when the when the when the guy answers the phone and says and we couldn't find the pizza place, and he goes, "Well, we're in a gas station." <laughs> we, well, gas station? I don't see a gas station. No, and, and all of a sudden, the driver drives by that gas station, a Valero gas station, and there's a pizza the place in, yeah. with yeah, no problem with no sign that says pizza anywhere. No, and then right. and then with the hood rats outside there, step, put yeah. the pedal to the metal. We're out. Let's get out. Take yeah. us back to the hotel, and he says. He can't find the hotel. I go, it's the same place where you picked us up at. Right. And now we're, we're, now we're going off another mile a different direction. Fine. Stop. I think that's the pizza place that we were originally going to go to. There was an hour away. We will stop and walk the rest of the way. Goodbye. <laughs> Dispute the Lyft driver charges. Good night, nurse. Let's just say to the Welcome TC to New Orleans. Audience. That was my first night in New Orleans. Let's just say Jeez. to the T.C. Martin audience, when the man has food, on his radar, and in his mind, he is not going to be denied, just like Kansas in that second-half comeback. You were not going to be denied, and we got it done, and then we ended up uh, getting it done for Saturday, for Sunday and then for Monday night's title game and, and rock chalk. And overall, what was your overall experience? Because you ended up hitting the French Quarter. We went down and did Bourbon Street. You did Cafe Dumont, the legendary breakfast place with the beignets and the milk and the 
45 minute wait usually there, but that was worth it. You got powdered sugar all over you. That's good. You did. You did New Orleans. You did, did. the French Quarter. I did. You did it right, and it got better. It definitely did. Uh, when I woke up, uh, you know, on on Sunday, it was, it was better. We had the great meal at uh, at Mr. B's yeah. Bistro. Fantastic. That pork chop. That succulent pork chop yep. with yep. the gumbo. Uh, and and the uh, you got give me credit for the pork chop. Uh, ordering that and those truffle fries, which you couldn't get enough of. So yes, I had to find some place that where I could get my meat fix on in the amongst of the seafood capital of the world, right? right. But yes, did that fantastic. Uh, the hurricane afterwards, the Bourbon Street, the next day, <laughs> Mothers, which you turned me on to, uh, fantastic. Where we saw a, a gentleman who was waiting in line for an hour go down like Frazier. Uh, you know, down goes Frazier. Having to help a poor Kansas uh, fan yes. who had been out. Kansas fan dehydrated yes. and passed out. He passed he out. Passed out right beside us at the cash register. Well, so T.J. We Reeves is picking called. up the bill. This guy was- passes out, and there's T.J. Reeves ready to go mouth to mouth. But luckily, here comes Mama Mother from behind the counter with the O.J. to revive the poor guy, and then yep. gives him a honey biscuit with jelly. All of a sudden, the guy pops right up like Herman yep. Munster or or Grandpa, <laughs> and he's ready to go. He's ready to go. Show me the dining room. It was not dull. All of our stories and all of our things, but we had a we had a fun time at Mother's. We had a great game. And, uh, I mean, look, for your first Final Four and your first time in New Orleans, you're going to be telling these stories, brother, for 15 years. Maybe for 25 years. Good stuff. For the first time. There you go. For the first time to be at those things. It was neat. Hey, so I found a little audio from the two and a half people. You did? Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. Here it is. This is the half. Okay, this is... It definitely was not oh the my. food. The food. Because the there was the show no food. has gone off the rails, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what we do uh, here, my it friend. Was, it was a blast. It was a blast to be around all of that. It is some kind of event. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been sharing it with the audience the last couple of days. It, 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 I believe it's the best event in sports. There's no <laughs> doubt that the NFL is king. Their Super Bowl is the biggest, most watched game. But in terms of four fan bases, three games, and all, I mean, that it never fails to deliver. And it delivered again, even with dramatics on Monday night, a game that could have gone either way. And we saw the greatest second half comeback in, a, in an NCAA tournament championship game there in the Big East, there my is. friend. And we, we will talk about it for a long, long time. And remember, we did not bring you on to talk about any of that, basketball or any sports related. Right. We brought you on to talk about the uh, the guidance that you gave or the ill guidance at times uh, during uh, New Orleans and the fantastic food. But in all seriousness, man, great time uh, to, to be with you. Uh, again, you're a man of New Orleans. You're a man of the South. Uh, great <laughs> tour guide uh, as well, too, even though I'm not sure I want to share a lift with you ever again. But that's quite all right. I'm glad that you had a good time. We had a blast at the Final Four. It's always good to be with the doctor. There's no doubt about that, including in the Big Easy. All right. We will talk to you later, my friend. Appreciate it, as always. There he is, TJ Reeves. Uh, Excitement galore there in the Final Four and the NCAA Championship game. No one wanted to hear about the game. We broke down the game. We broke down the Final Four. They want to hear about the adventures. That's it. That's what Jay Schrader wanted to hear. No doubt about it. The quarterback is in the house. We come back with him. B.J. Armstrong is going to join us. Don't you dare go anywhere.